like the night I lost that uh, that um, I am Norm man. I sat in the, I sat in my room and studied for six hours. I was just not going. I didn't even move. I turned my phone off, studied for six hours because it hurt. I'm like, yo, that hurt. I don't want this to happen again. So I sat in there and studied. Now, of course, it was probably not the best thing, but it just learned like, I got to work harder. Cool. If I take an L, keep working. Welcome back, everybody, to another uh, episode. We have a very exciting guest with us in the house here in Toronto. We have James Conti III. After an exciting Champions Chess Tour Finals flexing, Fabi. How's the flex too? Are, are we flexing? Man, are we down, flexing? You can't cool. see with the with the hoodie. <laughs> the hoodie on. with the flex. Welcome, uh, James. A pleasure. Uh, actually, at the beginning uh, of the podcast, when we first started, we always had you in mind as nice. a potential guest. Right. Fabi always, you know, he was uh, following you on Instagram, yeah. seeing all the flexes and everything, and we really wanted to get you on. Man, glad to be here. Glad to. Thanks for having me, Fabi and Christian. Uh, you guys are awesome. So we watch the podcast as well. We know about you guys. Our Discord. Shout out to the GM Factory Discord. They posted. I think they when we saw a cameo of me, they were like, "Yo, check the podcast." So everybody went to go watch it. So we follow you guys. We respect your work. We love what you do. So Thank thanks. You. Thank you for having me. I wanted to uh, give our viewers and pretty much the chess community a chance for um, them to see you and see your progression throughout yeah. the chess world as well because they know you as right. a coach, yeah. as a commentator mostly right. nowadays, as right. an author of chess right. books, but they don't know your story, yeah. right? So that's what I want to get into it. Tell us a bit about how you started. I started when I was uh, playing chess when I was eight years old, basically. I mean, we're around seven years old, eight, you know, kind of a late start in these days. But seven, eight, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. So my dad taught me how to play. And it really, for me, it kept me off the streets of Detroit, basically. I have friends that aren't here or incarcerated or still doing the same thing, you know, when I go back home sometimes to see that. And it really was just a way for me to bond with my dad. But my dad also knew where I was when it's late at night all day all hours of the day sometimes especially in the summertime they had the chess club uh, shout out to all the kings mid ed mandale and them boys out there but i would be out there till like 12 noon he, the chess club used to be at the mall he would drop me off at the mall we'd be at the chess club from like 12 noon to like one in the morning you know so all day playing chess as a kid growing up and it was fun and i liked it and then my school had a chess team so going on a chess team i was actually pretty garbage in fact i mean as many people start you start pretty garbage so i was garbage and i was so bad at one point that the coach um hero steam may he rest in peace he was like 1800 player and he said um he actually you know nationals you got to take a five-man team or five kid team or whatever and they pay for everything so like but i wasn't good enough to go basically so and also dalton barksdale shout out to you buddy but um um he would talk trash and beat the crap out of me every game my dad didn't like this so after after we um after like summer or like summer let out for school my dad was like would get me up like it's you know school still at seven o'clock in the morning to play chess and i'm like dad i'm not trying to it's seven o'clock in the morning. I don't have school. Why am I getting up to play chess? So we would play chess from like seven to like noon. And I enjoyed it and really got good. And then that time of me actually playing and playing at the chess club, reading chess books, not knowing where it would actually go. I just liked the game, like a genuine love for the game. Then I go back to the following year to school and school let in and I crushed everyone except the coach. So this was around fifth or sixth grade. Then I actually took us to a national championship. Bates Academy, where I like won our first nationals or whatever as a team, stuff like that. So I was a kid. Fast forward, uh, I beat my dad around 10 years old, who he's about 1,600 at the time. So for me, being a black chess player, there's not a lot of us to us that are very good. Shout out to ChessDrum.net, Daim Shabazz, where he puts a chess, you know, all the black players that are good around the world ever in chess. He kind of writes articles about them and puts them up there and updates it frequently. So it's pretty cool to have that. But at the time, for me, I didn't know anything about black people in chess. We just didn't really have it. I didn't know where it was and et cetera. But um, I went into high school, fast forwarding, you know, playing chess, winning all kind of stuff, just really absorbing the game. I, I go into high school about 2000 rated. So, you know, USCF. So I'm already like an expert going into high school and graduating around a master. You know, I was like 2200 when I graduated and I didn't I didn't play any FIDE tournaments until after I graduated high school. So I had a really late start 
with feed eight air. So that's my journey now is really grinding that part. Were, were you known in high school as the chess guy? I was. In fact, I was actually the chess guy, but I was also the cool guy. You know, I was a real cool chess guy. So because I was cool with every part of like everyone, like the guy and, and to, you know, not to make a joke, but also be like, I was cool with everyone. I was not a, a bully or anything, but like, you know, uh, I, would, I was always like, I want to be cool with the guy that very quiet because if he gets mad and wants to like hurt somebody one day, he wants to remember me. Hey, James was at least nice to me. So I was nice to everyone. Didn't matter who. I was cool with the band people. I was cool with everyone. And they knew me as the chess guy. But it was kind of not nerdish. It was. It was definitely nerdish. I ain't even going to put it live. It was nerdy. I was a nerd, but the cool nerd. Because they like, who? Oh, you play chess club. He's smart. But like he wasn't like the jock football dude. So I was like somewhere in the middle there. But you can definitely also play the jock role. Yeah, I, I don't know how now you can, know buff you sure, were back in the days. I was Nowadays actually a small dude. Yeah, now I can, right? But back in the day, I was a small dude, bro. I was like, um, I was probably like 160, 170. Yeah, all my life, basically 160, 170 through there. I was a smaller dude, and uh, yeah, I was just not. I didn't play any sports. Nothing, nothing at all. I wanted to play football but my parents was like no you're not doing football and basketball i was not nice until i graduated i was like garbage in fact but it sounds like it. already at that point you were thinking strategically like yeah. you were like oh i'm going to start behaving nicely with this right. guy with this other group correct do you feel like chess also gave you that strategical mindset 100 percent. in fact actually and this is another thing about black people in chess like when i went to nationals i would notice like i would be like actually it was funny me and fabi was at nationals at the same time he won I don't remember what year that was, but he, yeah, we were there at the same time. And you was a little dude. And I'm like, man, what's this little dude so strong? And I, we used to look up to you because, like, you was a very small dude, but your chest was really big. And he was, like, at the first board. And I'm like, who is this guy? His feet don't even touch the ground. Like, who is this kid that's super strong, right? So we went in. It was, I don't remember what year this was, but you won. It must nationals. have been, like, 2003. Something like that, yeah, because I went into high school. I went every year from around 2003 until I graduated high school in 2010. So, like, seven years in nationals. Every year. And you was there. You won, I think, that was right before you went over to Spain or something like that. Yeah, but. Yeah, and he was he was strong. Yeah, he was very good. He was very Those strong. Those tournaments are crazy. There's like yeah. 5,000 kids. Kids, oh yeah. my goodness. And I was in like the top, you was in like top 10 or whatever, always in the top boards. I got up to around the top 20 boards. And then sometimes I would be on a fifth or sixth board. I actually won a national championship and like, I was like under 1250. But I was playing like 1500 at the time, so I just blew through it 7-0. and 0. And then the next one I started playing, you know, uh, in bigger sections and stuff like that, but. Yeah, Nationals was cool, bro. Nationals was real fun. I remember seeing Fabi there. Fabi was little. With it. He had the fro and the glasses back then, bro. Like, Fabi, it was great. Yeah, I have, I have some memories from those events. I mean, like, very vague memories because yeah. it was such a long time ago. But right. once, I think, Anatoly Karpov visited. Sheesh. Oh, I, I think. And that was like a, I didn't even know who he was. I was like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, who's but this everyone, guy? there's like this commotion on stage. Who's this Russian wow. It's like world champions on stage. I mean, and you remember searching for Bobby Fischer, right? Of course, of course. Yeah, it's like. You know something about these world champions, but you don't know a lot. But it's right. like, right. they're like these legendary figures and you have all this like mystery around them, you know? That's so cool, bro. Yeah, and you touched about uh, mentorship so cool. and how important mentors are yeah. uh, in the black community, in the chess world. Uh, Maurice, actually, we've had him oh, on yeah. the show as well. Was That's he my guy. one of them? Yeah, in fact, Maurice, uh, I didn't even know that there was, in fact, like I thought the USC of Ryan, it just tells you how... How I always like to say this, it's like everyone tells you or everyone has, they work together in different groups of people like Russians and Chinese and, you know, even everywhere outside, even the U.S. in a way. If you don't know, you just don't know. So me growing up, I didn't even know about a FIDE tournament. I didn't know how you even hit GM or IM or any other title. I just thought you play tournaments and it just happens one day. And I was like a grown man, didn't still didn't know about this. So then I found out about Maurice more when I was like in my teenage years. When I was like, oh, there is a black grandmaster, you know, who is it? Maurice Ashley. Then later on, I was like 14 when I think that was my first, I was like 2100. And I, that was my first um, interview with chessdrum.net. And I remember it, it's still, you can go back and watch it and listen to it when I was a kid or a teenager. And it, I was just talking about, yeah, I want to be a grandmaster. And I met some black players there that was very strong because Daim Shabazz brought them out. And they were there playing. It was Stephen Muhammad, who doesn't play anymore, international master. Oladapu uh, Adu, international master. Um, there were some other ones out there as well. And then uh, Eamon Sumwote, I didn't know, I had no idea who he was. But it's a grandmaster from Zim, I think Zimbabwe or okay. somewhere, or Zambia or somewhere. But yeah, yeah. And he doesn't play anymore, or at least not, not, not often. Then there's Kenny Solomon that I know about now. 
and then obviously uh, Pontus Carlson from Sweden and then uh, Maurice. But Maurice was the first one that I knew about. And he was also the very first, but it was uh, the first one that I knew about. And I was like, oh, man, like there's there is one, but didn't know how to get it. I just knew. And I looked up to him, but he was in New York and we never, ever crossed paths until I was actually in my adult years. But I always looked up to him. Yeah, and of course, you see Maurice also very often on camera, right? Yeah. Like, not only as a chess player, but also very much right. as a chess commentator, exactly. which you became as well. So definitely, it feels like there are some, some synergy. Simil similarities there. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I see what he's done and what the, the path that he's crafted, or the, cra the, yeah, the path that he's carved for us, you know, for us being just a black chess player and anyone coming after me, which is like, hey, you can do anything you put your mind to. You can be a grandmaster if you work and you put it forward. You can also, you know, be a commentator and give some some life to chess. He was doing commentary in the 90s, actually, when I didn't even know. I, used, I saw the, yeah, with Yasser, right? And this was, was uh, I was honestly late teen years, right before I was like in my early 20s. I remember seeing, I'm like, whoa, he did this in the 90s. I had no idea he was even doing this, you know. He was doing commentary before I even knew what it was, right? So really good to look up to Maurice and what he's doing. We always like to follow him. It's like, okay, this was, he's showing us what's possible. And then, you know, we try to amplify it. And, and he brought us a new spin also to chess commentary gig. Yeah, it was hype. But you're, you're also doing that yourself. Like yeah. when, when you do chess commentary or chess content, you're also bringing yeah. like a different spin to it as well. Yeah, for me, I'm more of the guy that like, uh, I like to say, I'm the, f I like to bring the fun to chess. That's why chess.com has me in a way. And like, you know, you have Roman Gingy Hasvili. I also used to call him Roman DZ slap the keyboard. Cause literally, and, I, and it's funny, like I always tell people at home to try this, like Roman DZ in Google, slap the keyboard, push enter and it's gonna pop up. Every time it pops up and people try it and they're like, can't it worked? And I'm like, I know bro, I know. Nobody can spell the last name. But it's uh, Roman, I remember watching his videos. I remember watching the first halves and then falling asleep, like literally all the time. And on YouTube, Roman's Labs, all these books. I would fall asleep and I'm like, man, this is boring, but like it's good information, but it's so boring. And then when, you know, when I started looking at uh, um, uh, basketball, ESPNs and stuff like that, it was hype. And like, I always had that side too as well, because I've been a social guy all my life. I just like the interaction, hanging with people and just being social. And then um, chess didn't have that as much. So I was like, wanted to bring it. And I think for me, um, the biggest like up or the biggest like aha moment was actually right before I started streaming, I learned door to door sales. And I always tell people, you should do sales, 100% sales at some point, either by selling yourself as like the product or selling a product for someone else or your own product. Everything is around sales. So in fact, I did a lot. In fact, the reason why I took the job too, they like, it was straight commission and like no, and I'm like, what am I doing? Thinking back, I was like, this was so crazy to me. But the reason why I took it is because the man, I'm a risk taker, and the man is a millionaire. I was like, yo, he's driving a BMW. You know, he recruited me in a way. He, he has a nice house. And I'm like, yo, he only does door-to-door -door sales. I don't understand this. I need to understand it. So I stayed for a year, and uh, I learned some skills where they was like, hey, you know, either you're going to use these skills when you leave here and be very successful in whatever you do. Or you're going to be promoted out where like the promotion, like you get your own office and then you have your own sales teams to do the same thing that he was basically doing. I mean, you get paid a lot of money for it because, you know, you're selling AT&T. At one point I was selling AT&T. Then we moved over to direct energy, which is like an energy type thing for like, uh, you know, the lights. The, so the this was just that. basically a company that was speaking with other companies that correct. wanted to sell. They and wanted to do direct you, you have clients. Basically. And you have clients. Correct. For direct sales. Exactly. It was direct sales. And you have to like knock on all weather. Didn't care. The only time you don't show up is if you just physically can't. You're super sick or something. Stay home. Other than that, we was out there in the snow. You know, I'm from Michigan. So four, five, six inches, I'm out there knocking on doors. Rain, I'm out there knocking on doors. So discipline and mindset is something that you need for chess too as well and being good and anything. But I learned a lot of that there and I learned a lot of sales skills because as soon as somebody opens the door, I have to now strike a conversation so that you don't just slam the door. Even if you do, they might slam the door anyway, but you have to have a positive attitude and the door number one doesn't know that 50 doors or sorry, door number 51 doesn't know that 50 of them closed in your face and it was evil. But 51, you had to have that same energy. So I learned so much from that. And immediately, I remember looking back before I had that job, I actually started to stream. I streamed a little bit on Lee Chess, you know, so I was chilling, trying. And I looked back and I was just like playing and not saying anything. But it was streaming and just playing. And now looking at that stream as when I went through uh, the door-to-door -door sales for a whole year and then started streaming, like I 
I only talk. I was only, I was now talking so much more and it blew up because of the skills that I learned from the door-to-door sales. So it was really fire. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's really cool, bro. Cause that's how my, my uh, commentary is like that too. I got to make jokes, make it fun. You know, you want to learn, but you also want to make it fun. There's times to be fun and there's times to be very serious or there's a combination of both. And that's how I like to do it. In a way, I like music too as well. And like, so it's kind of like trap and house beats and like hip hop chess in a way. It's very cool. It's a different way to look at chess. Chess doesn't have to be this super boring game. You know super I mean? serious. You gotta yeah. keep people's attention. Exactly. That's, that's the main thing, right? Yeah. No, especially nowadays, right? Uh, in the era of ESPN style yes. commentary uh, with pretty much every other sport. And right. I feel like this is also very much an right. attribute of what we see in the United States and yeah. North America in general. Europe is much more different, especially when it comes to chess commentary. You don't have the same styles in Europe. If you tune into like any oh my goodness broadcast, any broadcast like the right. European Team Championship, the European Championship, like such, it's going it's to be boring. a different style. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. You know the, the the suits and not not you know not to, not to knock them or anything. Knock right? on them because yeah. I wear a lot of suits also when I do commentary. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to be able to drop the tie. I'm not yeah. gonna lie to you. I, I would love to be able to drop the tie. Be more casual. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think you you do that quite well. So so if you could like style of full broadcast like like you guys did here for right. the champion chess tour like would your vision be more or less what they're doing or would you yeah. have what would you change if you i would put more sponsors for instance like uh everything for instance me i like to be coe head to toe like on my gear i like to rock it all the time like i get random sales at random times of the day and i'm just like oh snap you know what i do in fact i got something for you big dog see oh, if you can rock oh, that oh. Yeah, yeah, we got to give Fabi something that's a little bigger for Fabi. We either going to have to hit him in the gym and give him a whole bunch of reps or, you know what I'm saying, we just you give him a smaller, a, uh, smaller size. Do you have a size for small guys? You know what? We do. We have size for everyone. We have sizes for everyone. That one is a little bit bigger. It's smaller for me because I tried it on. I'm like, yeah, this is a little tight, you know. Okay, yeah. look at that. See how we on body, on that's body. That's right, baby. <laughs> look at him. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you. We're gonna get Fabi some gear too, though. We're gonna get Fabi some gear. So, let's go, baby. Yeah, yeah. Hit the gym. So, like a lot of times, having a uh, that's probably what I would change though is like put more sponsors. For instance, uh, even if you saw every single time Magnus was on camera, I forgot the other. He had this shirt. I don't. I saw Chesscom, but I don't remember. Do you remember what he was wearing? That sponsor? I didn't pay Puma. attention to Puma. No, but it was something else. Net Zero. Yes. Whatever that is, I kept seeing it. And because I kept seeing it, you're obviously, you're like, oh, what is that? You maybe Google it. If it's a product, you might actually buy it, you know? So I think it should be more sponsorship, especially in like everything that we wear, maybe like, I mean, they, they try to do that product placement, but I think it should be just way more of it. That's yeah, and I guess that's choose. one question for you, Fabi. Do you find um, difficulties finding sponsors? Because I feel like, okay, you can have sponsors for broadcasts but you need sponsors for players as well mm, like they need nice. to bring their own sponsors into the game that's because i think nice. net zero for example is magnus's sponsor he's not oh. like the sponsor of the yeah uh, i think so yeah. so well, that's one thing i guess we the problem i found with chess specifically is that you you let's say have a contact at a company and there's some interest because they like chess but it's usually only a few people and once they move to a different part of the company mm. or even they move out of the company that makes sense then, you lose that. Yeah, then you lose your contact. Wow. So I, at some point I had Intel. It wasn't a huge mm. thing. Intel, they were giving nice. me a, a bit Sweet. of money and they were giving me a computer. Dang. Uh, but at some point they just like shifted things around mm. and they were like, yeah, we're just not interested anymore. That's deep. I think more of that, uh, now that I'm thinking about on a business side, because I've been able to monetize chess since 2018, you know, not just playing, but obviously everything else. One thing I did find is uh, having a portfolio. So after you have one sponsor you put it in a portfolio media kit is what we'll call it and then you can shift it around or at least have a manager do it for you to push it around to other sponsors hey i work with this i work with them well, you can do that so you don't have to obviously push it yourself but you get more sponsors into it also having your own like c square podcast make sure first off y'all buy the merch of course right let's link the merch right under that perfect editors somewhere click the you know what i mean get some c square merch right but that'd be great to have at uh, every single like you know tournament that you play at maybe i mean i don't, I don't even know if you how to do this but like even a water bottle having c squared on it that's why everything i wear every time i'm trying to take pictures has to be some type of coe so people will buy it and now they'll they'll be there and i get thousands of orders across the globe because i'm just very product placement heavy so 
having, you know, like y'all got the hoodie on now. You got the, you know, I got shoes, I got socks, I have everything. Only thing I'm not rocking today is the is the uh, the the um the V-neck one because like it's dirty. I wore it already, but I got the socks. You know what I'm saying? So y'all the socks. No, but this is this is good stuff. This is good stuff. This is like athletic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's the esports. The esports jerseys. What we call that one? Esports. We need we need esports jerseys, Fabi. Okay. Have you always been super business minded or was it a product of that work that you did doing door to door sales? Uh, A little bit of both. I've always been an entrepreneur because actually for in, in school, I remember being in high school and I was like, I I had to pick something of like what you want to do. And I was like, I mean, first off, I love chess, but secondly, you know, I didn't know you could even make any money from chess at all. I just love playing the game as a hobby. And so you have to figure your career. And I'm like 10th, 11th grade. And I'm like, I guess accounting. So I'm like going through the numbers and I'm like, man, this is boring. This sucks. So I'm like, and then they're like, what you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, I guess an accountant. Like you say it like not even happy. So I was like, I don't know what I want to do actually. And then actually as soon as I graduated, you know, it's just a lot you know, you don't blame anything on your past. I mean, I guess you can in a way, but you just don't want to act like he's a victim of it. You know, so for me, you know, um, middle class family and, you know, mom and dad didn't help as much with financial aid. They just really didn't know what to do either. I didn't know how to do it. I had pretty good grades. I graduated like a three, one, three, oh, something like that. Like college. Well, no, for a high school, actually high school. So I'm like, I, I didn't I didn't know how to even apply for scholarships. And I'm like, what do I even do here? So I actually went to the military for a few years in the Air Force, right? And I learned a lot about skills from the Air Force, discipline, work, and all this kind of stuff. But when I was in there, my job was, they told me, um, they was like, well, basically, I did good on the ASVAB, so I scored high enough to have a selection of jobs. So I'm like, oh, cool, all right, perfect. Let me pick one of these jobs. I picked a job that was called Knowledge Operations Management. And it said, like, you working with the commander, you doing this, you like, I'm like, this is fire. So I get in there and literally they just kind of lie to you in a way, but I get in there and I'm typing all day and I'm like, this is not what I signed up for at all. Right. Oh, they tricked me, bro. So I was like, all right, cool. So, and now I told him, Hey, I'm like, when I got in, I was the best chess player in the whole military. I think the highest rated guy was like, you know, 2150, something like that. At the time I was like 2300 USCF. Maybe 20, high 22, something like that. But I was national master and like, you know, fresh out of high school. So I'm like in the military and I'm like, cool. I'm letting them know, hey, you know, I'm the best chess player. You should be able to use those. I should be able to use it. I should be able to even play. There's a team, chess team. But because I was so new, it's more about military doesn't tell you this till you get in. But it's more about the needs of the military. They don't care about, you know, you could be LeBron James, but like. We don't care. Like, we, we, you have to work. There's stuff you have to do, and the job comes first. Yes, you have the skill, but the job comes first. So that was a time off from chess a little bit, and I was like, I had an opportunity to actually leave because they were actually giving us, they were switching our AFSC, which is like our job, basically. It was went from a three delta to a three alpha, or then they kept, they was like, well, maybe we should, they didn't know what to do with us, basically, because the job was so easy. I'm not even going to lie. It was just a very easy job. So I was blessed enough to be able to get out early after like two and a half, three years, and get out early without having to, uh, without having any type of, you know, um, bad record or anything. I got an honorable discharge. I have all of my credits, like credentials. I have like USAA, you know, so which is really nice. So yeah, it's great. And I was able to get out and get back to life and chess and stuff like that. But it, it was difficult in there, man. So um, so you had no chance to practice chess or? No, not really. I mean, you have to do it on your own time, which was hard to do because they had you from 8 to 5. And then sometimes, you know, if you have PT days, you got to get up 6 to this and then you got to get ready for the next day. It's like it was so hard. It was more like, in a way, college, basically, how like you'll see the students in high school be very strong. And as soon as they go to college, they get that break because there's so much they got to do for studies and et cetera. What was the age period? It was around, it was 17 to 20. Yep, 17 is about 20, right around 20. Yeah. That's good. Those yeah. are very uh, formative years, yeah. right? So it's important to like, a lot. Uh, get that discipline embedded within yourself, Exactly. Right? It's, yeah. it's important. It's a lot about that. It really is. And actually, you know, back to your question about the business, like I learned a lot about business. Like I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur because after, you know, high school and then after a little bit of military, you know, I actually had a good job at Georgia State. It was the best job ever too, Georgia State University. And my job was driving girls around in a freaking golf cart. Like, I mean, this is the best job ever, bro. I'm getting paid to like drive around girls and everyone in the golf cart classes. And I was like, it was basically a security thing. I had a very high security clearance thing, so I could just get a nice job. And I did. I got a very nice job there. But And I think for me, um, I just didn't want to work. I knew I wanted to do something else. And for me, I got that break in 2018. But I remember uh, I won $20,000 at the Millionaire Chess. You was there, wasn't you? I was there. I yeah, remember 2014. That. I remember. I saw also. your picture. No, I was there not, also. not in 2014. Were you not there? You no, was 2015. No, 2015. Huh? 
Maurice Ashley Maurice Ashley's tournament. Yeah. That was the first one. Twenty fourteen. Yeah, but twenty fourteen was first. Yeah. I played twenty fourteen. Hikaru West. and Wesley. Wesley won, and it was his twenty first birthday. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. Twenty first birthday. Hikaru, when you. I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. I don't know who won the next year. It's funny because Millionaire Chess was also my highest ever win. Really? Not that one. Not twenty fourteen. Oh, you won money though. I won under twenty five fifty, but oh, you got, did you get forty thousand? No, because it was slashed. Oh. The prize fund was this last year was when they didn't have the funds. Right? They slashed the prize fund by like seventy percent or something. Jesus! Like that. So I got twelve k. Okay, well, that's still better than nothing. But dang, bro, yeah, I got that was my biggest payday ever. I still have nightmares. Like sometimes I wake up like ninety four and like you know, oh man, I'm good. But it, it was like. Like, it was literally, if I would have played this move, Night H4 against Kubal Wang, who's an FM now too as well, but he's, uh, I would have won $40,000, second, or well, first place in under 2350 there. This was when I had a zero FIDE rating. My, my rating was zero, and I was like 2014, how old am I now? I'm 31, so that was, uh, how many years ago, guys? Seven years? Nine years ago? So, nine years? Almost 10 years? <laughs> Yeah, I was 22, right? So I was about you know, 22 years old, and um, and I that was my first FIDE rating. Actually, out of that tournament was my first FIDE rating of 23.53, which was really nice because I had a hell of a tournament. I could have probably normed. I had four going into like the sixth or seventh round for in the open section, which was really nice. I ended up playing very good, and then they took me out to play in Millionaire Monday and stuff. But I made some money, and I got back, and I'm like, man, there's money in chess, you know. 20k is is a good cushion. It was you good. Know, it was have. good. Yeah, it was good. But then still, I had to go back to work, and I'm like, all right, I don't want to work, you know. So it took another four or five years to actually find really streaming. And 2018 is when I, I just hopped in. That was right after the door to door sales job, 2017 to 18. Learned about streaming. I'm like, you know, chess coach next. Shout out to him, Frank Johnson, um, in the black community. He was like, yeah, you know, uh, the streaming is the way. I'm like, what the heck is this? It took me about six, seven months. Started streaming, figuring out, wow, this is what I want to do. And then fast forward, man, I mean, we had 50,000 followers on Twitch, you know, like it's growing like crazy. All the bills come through Chestnut. Oh, yeah. And in 2018, it wasn't big yet. That was still, that was the early days, right? That was before the whole boom in 20, well, 2020. 2020, yeah, the biggest boom. But yeah, it was right before. I remember I was uh, on Leeches also. You were streaming? I started on Leeches as well. Wow, I didn't even remember that. That's crazy. Did, Did you ever stream? A little bit. You did? In 2018 also. I didn't didn't get into it. I was, uh, I think at the time Danny was, was um, asking various players, like, would you be interested and we can get you set up on Twitch and we can give you some equipment. And so I I took him up on that, but I didn't really get into it. Yeah. Gave it up. And uh, I think it could have been like, if I had stuck to it, maybe I would have had a platform like Hikaru's, but yeah, I don't think I would. I don't think I would have stuck to it the way that, that he did. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. It's absolutely, I mean, he paved the way. Also, Chess Bra, too, as well. They were streaming for like a Chess Bra, yeah, yeah. They yeah, were streaming yeah. before 2018. They, the they were like one, the first yeah. ones, yeah. yep. So they had Not even that, too. I think they, were, they started 2016. It was something, something it might have like been Justin oh, TV I was, then. I was doing Still. stuff with them in 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, they were among the first ones. They yeah, were among the first ones. They figured ones, it for out sure. then. So, but it's a it's a huge avenue. You still can start streaming today. Levy made it possible, really, with you. I mean, well, obviously, Agud Mater and like even John Bartholomew and Christoph Slecki. Chess Explained. That's OG. Chess Explained on YouTube. That's OG. But like back in the day when I was watching his stuff, even Roman and uh, King Crusher, all these YouTubers. These guys, I used to watch them and didn't know that you could make money until now. Eric Rosen too now, and Levy shows it's really, really possible. That's so when we started so actually. Money. At some point when I basically had to quit for like a few months and then I was never able to fully recover from that. Um, it was me, Levy, and Eric Rosen that were oh, just starting up. Really? And we were kind of competing of how wow. many followers we get. And I, <laughs> and I think I ended up at like 2,000. All Dang. of us kind of at the same yeah, place. The same, yeah, yeah. And then they just completely blew up. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. I guess it's a lot about consistency and like changing things up and finding what works yeah. content-wise. As soon as you find that... It's a wrap. I had a content talk with Levy, you know, figuring stuff out. I was like, yeah, this, this, you figure it out and you run with it. That's how I had massive growth now on Instagram by figuring out what they want, give them more of it. And then you, it just, it just starts to, to snowball. That's really what like it's Like algorithm likes when you repeat things that, that succeed, like, right? Right. Yeah. If right. it works out well once, then you keep doing it. You guys are doing well, too. I'm watching you. I'm like, y'all at 60K? Some, some, hey, subscribe right now if you haven't. Hit the subscribe button right now. 
if you haven't, you know, on YouTube, yeah, because y'all like up there, 60k, and then you get the 100k, get the little play button, you know, we're keep grinding. Moving, grinding. Speaking of content, you just came out with a new course. I did. Accessible. Yeah, I did. The Joe Bava London. It's called the meanest Joe Bava London. My favorite opening with white. It's very strange, of course, because even black, you know, even white or the engines like, oh, black's slightly better after a few moves so anyway. But for me, I used it because I was an E4, life longer E4. And then I wanted to switch. I just wanted, I got tired of just, you know, things getting played out to draws and et cetera. I wasn't big on in games yet um, as, as much as I am now, but I wasn't really into in games. I'm just a very aggressive player, always aggressive. Like, I think they say how your life is, is like how you play chess in the way too. So I'm a very aggressive person when it comes to like, you know, I want to go get it, go get it, get it done. Nobody's going to give it to you. Being from Detroit, knowing that aggressive, right? So my chess was the same way. So playing E4 gave you that. And then after a while, I'm like, you know, I'm getting tired of not getting the positions that I like. I want something creative. So I found the Jabawa London. Shout out to Simon Williams in like 2021. I found it, found his little course. I'm like, cool, I'll give it a try. Went and played a norm tournament. And I, I played it three times. I got two draws. And the first game I played, I beat an IM. And I'm like, bro, what is this? It was straight from the book. And it was actually where you get to an end game where it's actually quite boring. In fact, I'll, I'll play the moves here for all you guys. D4, knight of six, knight c3, d5. Bishop f4, c5, e3, c takes, e takes, a6, knight of three, knight c6, knight e5. Uh, e6, knight takes c6, b takes c6, knight a4, bishop d6, bishop takes, queen takes, castles. This is the main line. Then after castles, there is castles. No, there's... You gotta move your castle already. It's... You gotta move your bishop first, right? Oh yeah, bishop d3. So bishop, you're right. Bishop, bishop d3, d3, castle, castle. Yeah, correct. Bishop d3, castle, castle, and then black plays castle, castle. White plays something. Queen f3 or something. But it's like e5, pawn takes, queen takes, rook comes over. We go queen g3, and we try to trade the queens off. And you just get an end game basically, where it's kind of boring, but at the same time, white has a better structure. B6, c5, weak spots. Exactly. Yeah. And I was able to win the game just off of knowing this small knowledge. And I won the game against the IM. And I was like, this is my first game playing Jobava? Like, you can't tell me nothing. Like, what is this, right? So I have so many games, thousands and thousands of games later, of course, on alternate accounts. I won't tell you guys what it is, but I was able to beat Boris Averuk, and who's, you know, uh, you know, a theoretician, obviously, all the books. And I beat uh, Jacob Agar. Shout out to him. I love all his books. But I beat them on secret accounts. I'm not going to tell y'all what it is, but secret accounts, I was able to beat both of them with Joe Bava. So I'm like, yo, this is an opening for me. And I found something and I stuck with it for a long time. Found out Hans played it too. So I took, you know, a little bit of his course. I saw that. And then I was like, it's time to create my own, man, because I like to play very aggressive chess. I have so many lines, so many games in it. And so now, you know, this is why it's so many. Mine is the biggest Joe Bava course of all of them, because I play it. I also play it in classical. And I want to have stuff that, like, how Fabi's course is. Make sure I get Fabi's course to a Dark Archangel. That boy's a slapper. But it is, like, um, it's I like long lines. Like, I am a fan of theory. Geary got stuff. I remember back years ago, Geary said something where I never forgot. He was like, yeah, you know, and it's a, there's a novelty on move 30. And I was like, bro, what? There's a novelty? What do you mean? First, you got to remember move 30. Then there's a novelty on move 30. So that was like my first introduction to theory type thing. But I'm a fan of like, I'm just a, a chess fan. I love chess. So I like studying that deep as well. So my theory goes very deep. Like when you want to be, I want to be convinced that when I get here, I know what to do. Not, uh, not all memorization, but just a lot of ideas and et cetera. So my course is about that. I mean, I saw you studying now. in between commentary yes. gigs, basically. Yes. Yes. You went in, you yep. gave your commentary five minutes, boom, right. back to study on chessboard. <laughs> That's exactly right, bro. It's that a grind. Was, that was cool. I, I got to hit the level, man. I got to level up. I got to level up. Now, I really want to uh, dial in on this go-getter uh, yeah. attitude of yours because, you know, you're a feed the master, yes, sir. right? There's not that many right. as successful as you are, feed the masters in the world, right? Grandmasters, about 2,500, my level. Yeah. I don't see that many that are super successful as commentators, right. as that, as that. Right. How, like, who do you look up to? Like, how do you question. embolden yourself to deliver? Yeah, in fact, actually, one of the biggest influences on my life, in fact, outside of chess, is Hikaru. 
people don't know this, but I am on Team Hikaru. So, like, you know, on the back end, we do, like, I've been to Toronto to do content with him. You might have seen those videos. I've, uh, you know, we do commentary, me and you, obviously, and, like, all the others on the back end. Well, I've spent a lot of time with Hikaru and, like, asking him questions and et cetera and just business side. And I remember one time he said something I never forgot. And he was like, you are not a real streamer if you don't show up every day. And he said this, and he was, like, at a million followers, maybe close to a million, but he was already way bigger than me. So for him to say that and him to be at that level, I was like, well, shoot. I mean, I'm not nowhere close to that. So what am I doing? So I started grinding on that every single day. So I look up to Hikaru on that. I also look up to him on the chess side because he'll spend eight hours, you know, doing Title Tuesday, win both of them while streaming and talking, right? So that's grinding. Not to mention, you know, you got to study for your tournaments and work. So he'll go perform at a tournament very high level because he's grinding outside outside of you know they say how you do anything is how you do any everything so him working and grinding eight hours you know he gonna be when he's done and then to get to that level he had to grind too as well but he'll go grind you know some studies and, and be preparing you know he grabs the chessable courses some of the stuff we saw uh in here was from the damiano course that he actually shouted him out camille plishka shout out to him on chessable in the damiano course in Chessable, which I was like, I was like, this seems familiar. And that's because he mentioned it later that, oh, Damiano, you know, Camille. And I'm like, wow, he's working. He's always working. So for me, I'm like, yeah, that was a big influence on my life is that work. No, I love that. I love that because, uh, and that's a very good attitude to have. It's either nothing matters or everything, everything matters, matters, right? Yeah. And I really like the everything matters type of situation, type of uh, mindset. Big fan of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fabi, any uh, questions? So what's your favorite? Uh, I had some ideas in mind. Oh, but, yeah, but whatever, man. We vibing. We vibing. Baby, what's up, chat? Vibe with us. Make sure y'all <laughs> hit the subscribe button. Get some water. Pause the video. There you know. we go. There Let's we go. go. We here. So what's your favorite part of chess to study? Because you, you, yeah. you like to study a lot. You're studying constantly. What's your favorite area? My favorite area now, it changed. Before, it was a lot of tactics and COE. Speaking of COE, calculation of everything happened when I started. This happened in the last December 2022. Yep, right. And then January was when like COE came a thing. And this was of 2023. So it's still a new thing. But December 2022, maybe around it. Yeah, I was in Orlando and I, uh, Alex Golden, that's who I used to work with. Coach wise, highly recommend him. But he was a good psych coach for me because he told me some stuff I never, ever forgot. I worked with a lot of coaches and I'm like, you know, I'm, it's time for me to level up. And he told me like, um, what did he say? Uh, he, I started working with him. And uh, calculation was a thing that I was just, you know, everybody needs to work on it, but I thought I was working on it. And I would do some tactics, but I wasn't doing real calculation work. So for him, every time I would ask him a question after working with him, he would say, calculate. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. Then I'll ask him a question. What about this position? Blah, 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 blah. Same answer, calculate. And I'm like, all right, cool. So after like five or six lessons with him, I'm like, yo, I, you just keep telling me to calculate, but it's working. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep calculating, right? So then at some point, I'm like, it really is like calculation over everything. Like, every time I ask you a question, you keep telling me to calculate it and figure it out myself. So I, it became a thing for me where it really, not only just in chess, but in life, you got to, like, figure this out yourself. Nobody's going to give it to you. You have to do it. So Drill down on the calculation. Exactly. Yes. You got to yes. buckle down. So calculation is fire. So for me, actually... My best part now is theory. I love theory. I'm not going to lie, bro. I study theory all day long. But before it was just tactics and a lot of calculation work for some sometimes methods I would use was like he would tell me to sit in positions for 10 to 15 minutes and just literally calculate. If I get it wrong, it doesn't matter. It was the fact that if you get it right, it's extra credit. It's the fact that you sat there and you calculated was was why, you know, um, is the skill that you're developing, the, 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 the skill of calculation, which is big, which is you need that, you know, type of thing. So it really helped to, to uh, calculate and do those type of things. He taught me one thing, too, in the last year. I had a um, I was half a point away from my first I am norm. I, I needed seven at six and a half. I'm like, bro, come on. Can you just give me the freaking norm? But you need seven here. It was tough. Right. So. What happened was I lost the last game. All I needed was a draw, and it was tough. And I asked him, like, he was like, all right, he, I played great all the way up until that point, and the last game was all psych. He said, he was like, I know exactly what happened. You were worried about the result. And this is what I preach to my uh, chat all the time. I even have merch that says, like, it's like, it's like uh, if you go to the eye doctor and they have the eye thing, like, then they're showing you, like, the letters and stuff. One is, like, work over results on it. It's, like, kind of cool, kind of spelled out. But it's actually, you know, I that's the biggest thing I learned from him besides COE was 
Stop focusing on the result in life and whatever. If you focus on the result, you're not going to get it. But if you focus on the work that produces said result, then you'll get it right. And that's what I do. That was actually the question that I wanted to ask you before. How do you deal with backlash? How do you deal with failures? Wow. Yeah, very good. Failures are all the, the lessons. In fact, I used to take ales very hard. It's to the point where I'm like, you know, I'm punching the air, maybe not the air, maybe breaking things or like getting so angry at a game. I almost beat. I remember I had one story. I was in Chicago Open and first round, I'm about to be a Wonderly Yang. It was when my first GM win. And I'm, but then I lose the game just because like I was like, you know, jitters and stuff. I was plus six and ended up losing the game and it hurts. Whew. And uh, so I go out to the car and just like, I am about to end it all right now. But it didn't happen, obviously. So. Um, from there, when you have an L, it's a learning experience. And if I can handle this L with like how you guys handle, and I was actually mentioning that too, how Fabi, you know, Fabi took an L, came out, chatted with you, said something about a few lines. Cool. You could tell he was just calm and then went back in there and played the next game. That type of L, taking losses like that is a next level player, right? So that's how I started to take losses for, you know, in the last two years, I've been taking losses like that now where like, Okay, it's an L. What can I learn from it? How can I be better? And a lot of times now, I just do. I just work harder. I'm like, all right, cool. I took an L. You're going to eat dinner. You're not going out tonight. You're not going to drink any alcohol. Or like, you're, maybe I will take a shot or two because it hurts. I'm like, oh, that hurt. Oh. You know, but what I'll do is I'm studying all night. I remember that, like, the night I lost that, uh, that um, I Am Norm, man, I sat, in the, I sat in my room and studied for six hours. I was just not going. I didn't even move. I turned my phone off. Study for six hours because it hurt. I'm like, yo, that hurt. I don't want this to happen again. So I sat in there and studied. Now, of course, it's probably not the best thing, but it just learned like, I got to work harder. Cool. If I take an L, keep working. That's what you do as well, very often. Yeah. So, sometimes, yeah. It, it depends. If it's something's really painful, I used to, um, I used to not look at games I, that I would lose. Yeah. I realized that was a mistake because. Wow. Um, so much to learn. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot to look into, uh, especially when it comes to openings. If openings mm -hmm. go wrong, okay. I mean, it's just like very, because it, it's very practical knowledge that you can. It's just like very quick feedback you get. Right. Which isn't like let's say you study an opening, you don't know what's going to happen in Correct. the game, right? You Correct. have no idea. There's a million things. Right. So you learn a lot of things, and maybe like ninety five percent of it you'll never see in any of your games. Wow. But when you actually see something in your game, you know that's that's something practical. that could happen. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So. So you, you have to learn from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, learning in chess is such an interesting subject. It's yeah. just like, there's so many ways. Nobody has the answers. <laughs> Everyone has to find their own way. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, yeah. we don't have drills, yeah? Like in every other sport, That's you true. have some established drills that right. everybody does. In chess, it's like, okay, what book do I study? Now, do after I this focus loss, on yeah. tactics two hours or two and a half hours, and then I go into strategy for like two and a half hours. I have this tournament. Yeah. Who do I play in this tournament? Right. What type of players well, they are? I'll I mean, tell you, so you many start things. giving chess coaches million dollar contracts, they'll, uh, <laughs> they'll come up with some stuff. They're going to come, come up with, with some, some drills. Stuff, yeah? some drills. Like for real, I'll take that. Anybody with million dollar? Hey, shout out. Holla at your boys over here. But chess, the most, I think it's the most written about subject. I think that is really the yeah. more, more chess books than wow. any anything else. I never knew that. More oh, literature that makes sense about chess. So than I can else. think about every opening yeah. calculation. I mean, how many basketball games. books do you know? Drill, basketball training. Drill? Basketball oh. training. Uh, let's say basketball. I'll give you like, a random example. That's crazy. How many books do you think? Probably about have been, 100. Probably 100, 100 books, I would say. 100 probably last month in chess. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah last also month in chess. With the online stuff? Yeah, I mean, so much, so much. Oh, content, so yeah. much, right? Chessable, yeah, right? Crazy. Chessable. yeah. But I also nuts. every everything else, YouTube. Yeah, people are are making uh, like educational YouTube videos. But yeah, right. do you, do you still read chess books? Do you like? Oh to yeah, I still read chess books. I'm a fan of reading chess books. But of course, I like reading them more online because it's so much faster. But I do have physical books sometimes, especially if I'm on a plane. I like to read books. In fact, they had this, uh, I remember I was listening to, I think, Kenny Smith or something, one of the, e the ESPN guys. But I think he said, he was like, I learned when I was on a plane, this psychiatrist or somebody was sitting next to him. She was like, yo, don't go to sleep on the plane. He like, yo, I'm scared. What you mean don't go to sleep on the plane? And she was like, well, if you're on the plane, your brain reaches this height of something. Where like when you're in the air, your brain is at its highest level of something, whatever it is in the brain, where that you retain a lot more information. So it's best to read or write things down. Never knew this. I thought I was like, dang, that's deep. So now when I'm on a plane, if I'm, if I, I mean, sometimes I'll fall asleep, but nowadays I try to read a book. You know, that's what I do as well. Yeah, that's what I do fire. as well. And I didn't know that that's, you know, the, wow. the, the method to, to follow, but 
intuitively, I guess, that's where I, that's where I go. That's, that's where I feel I retain the most information. That's crazy. You say that. Yeah. That's a, some type of thing that I learned from this. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to read a book every time. My favorite books now are people have always say like uh, my grandfather Tal and my uncle Nesmadinov because of my style of play. You know, those are just my ancestors in a way. But um, I did like my life in games by Tal. I think my favorite one, though, is actually the uh, greatest attacker in chess by, you know, the Russian Nesmadinov, Tal's trainer, you know, so. One of my best books. I think I read that book and then I scored six and a half in that tournament. I remember I was hot. I'm just, it was some of the, some of them games were like straight out of the book. I was sacking a queen here. I sacked an exchange and then a pawn just to make sure his king couldn't castle. Ended up winning that game. This was against Brewington when he, you know, had before. We he just, just had an interview with uh, MVL and he was talking about the flow state in chess. Ooh, that's I guess nice. that book gave you the flow, flow state, state for that tournament, that tournament for that specific yeah. tournament. Did yeah. you ever experience that with like a training you did beforehand before a tournament and then you yeah. implemented certain? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, that seven more, old streak. What, okay. what did you do before <laughs> that? The thing is I was actually sick before that. Wow. So I was like working, but I was on, just on my, on the sofa, like chilling. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not feeling good. So I came to the tournament. I was still sick a little bit, not yeah. that much. And, um, yeah, that tournament was, I don't know why. I don't know why I did well there. It's just hot. That it was just, crazy. Uh, That's history. Circumstances worked out. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do remember I had a bad tournament. Okay. This was back in 2008, I'd say. Maybe 2009. Yeah. 2009. I had a really bad tournament somewhere, like probably European Championship. And then I, I was working on my own, like nonstop. And all I could think about was chess, too. Mm. Now, I, I don't know what changed, but I don't think about chess as much naturally. It doesn't like enter my head as much. Yeah. Probably just age. But, um, but yeah, I was just thinking about chess nonstop, working in my own way. Uh, and on my next tournament, I, I won almost all my games. It was the <sighs> Russian Team Championship 2009. Eat. I, uh, yeah, I gained, gained something like 20-something points. Yeah, that's huge. Which was, which was a lot. Especially at that level. Yeah. Spot, Big yeah. boy level, yeah. So, yeah. But, it's so difficult to replicate yeah. that. Also, Who knows? Right? Like, like, how yeah. do you replicate that? I know. You want to hold on to it. You want to hold on to that to that flow. And we don't know so what difficult. brings success, right? We just have mm. some ideas for yeah. us, but then, does it always work? Like, we right. don't. We don't really. Know. Which is why I think me because I read that book, it doesn't hit the same. Because when I read it, I'm like, I already seen this, so I have to like find more like something to excite me in certain games and etc. Because I don't get that same excitement when I first read that book. So I'm, I'm always looking for like newer books and trying to grow and get more knowledge before I go into tournaments always. That's a, an interesting uh, thought because very often with like new experiences, you're yeah. like, oh yeah, now I live this. <laughs> Where do I get my next My next, time? yep. Yeah, know, exactly. My next new experience, my next new that. Yeah. Um, do you ever think about that? Yeah, in fact, uh, I think commentary, another reason why I love doing commentary is because for me, you know, people don't look at it like even Danny mentioned it. He's like, James Gandy just loves chess. But no, he was, he was kidding, but he also was for real. Like, I actually take commentary is like, for me, they're paying me to give free lessons. I am talking about the game, obviously, but I'm learning. Like, for instance, from this one, I only I look at end games differently after this tournament. We're like, it was so many end games that it was just like, wow, this is how high level chess really kind of is. You reach a lot of end games. And then, of course, if you see from Magnus' point of view, I mean, you reach a lot of end games and then you just keep pushing, try not to make any mistakes. And then they make one and then you win the game. And it's like, if you could try to implement that even just a little bit at any other level, you're going to be great. And for me, I've, I've studied Devoretsky twice now. Maybe not all the chapters, especially on chess, what makes it easy. I went through, I know for a fact there's four pawning game chapters on chessable that I went through. And then there's three rooking games. So these are the most common ones. So I went through, you know, seven chapters in there that I frequently go through. There's a lot of other stuff in there, but I've made me a better in-game player. Not that I like going to them, but to reach the next level and for me to actually really level up, I'm going to have to get more comfortable with the knowledge I do know and go into these end games and actually, you know, win some games there. But for me, I always learn something from the commentary. So especially from this last one, I am more comfortable now than I've ever been in end games, ever been. And when it comes to end games, calculation is actually like Even pretty better. much everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, like it really is. Calculation not over everything. Yeah, really baby. Like I, there's a lot of principles. Yeah. But even if you don't know anything about end games, wow, calculation will bring you so far. Deep. That's deep. See and I, I really, I really think so. I think a lot of like everyone assumes top players know so many theoretical end games. Right. But besides the basics, I don't, I don't know if pe top players have memorized so much stuff. 
Yeah, it's feeling and calculation. I think it's yeah. Some of it, some of it's like general feeling, but just most like. Even Carlos said something about Devereski when I asked him about it. I'm like, what you think about Devereski? He was like, yeah, you know, it's a lot of stuff that you don't need in that book. And I'm like, you know, now thinking back, when you say that comment, I, that's the first thing I think about is like, yeah, okay, there's a lot of stuff in this book that you can use. For instance, squared a pawn or like a knight adjacent to a king with a pawn on the h file can't catch it diagonally. Whatever. There's stuff, little rules that are cool in the book, but the foundation, right, is is calculation. Over everything, that's shopcantymerch.com. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it's really Thank true. You. I mean, yeah. I think it's like you need a basis so that you know what you're aiming for. Like, let's say right. you calculate and you reach a rook four versus rook three endgame. Mm. You need to know what this, because you can't calculate any further. That's true. You need that's to true. know, is this a draw theoretically or not? But those basics, like you have that, or like is rook bishop against rook? Right. It's, it's a draw. Right. But you need to know so that. Harsh. Otherwise, you're like, oh, I can't go for this because you it's get a Magnus Ferruja right. thing. You know, well, I crazy. feel you have the foundation, you have the principles, and it's pretty much impossible because it's so vast, right? Because yeah. end games are so vast, and there are so many combinations of pieces and placement that can happen. You're not going to remember all of that. But Correct. as long as you have the foundation, then you're going to be able to figure your way mm. out, basically. Um, I feel that's. That's the way it operates in, 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 in general. What gets you this high that we've been discussing, commentary, playing, or streaming the most? Uh, streaming, actually, for me, because it's more of a... I ha I'd rather stream than to go out and party. Like, because I hang, I'm hanging with my friends and my family. I mean, I also, nowadays, like before, it was more just hanging with them and having a camaraderie and playing games and having a good time because I enjoy chess. But now I'm getting paid, actually, so I'm like, well, I'm about to get a check, and I'm also hanging with my friends. So it's more like a Imagine going to any bar or a club or somewhere with your friends, but you also are getting paid. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do this every single night. So it is amazing. I have that community. I, mean, I get the uh, the ad revenue and et cetera from the back end. It's nice. And I grew up. Uh, it, you have to start to first start getting paid from. You have to kind of love it, you know, in a way. Because for me, like, I didn't know I was even going to do anything when I first started streaming. I just like doing it. And I'm around friends and family and people in good, good energy, you know what I mean? So it makes you feel good. It's also training for me every night. I've now made the stream where, in a way, yes, I'm getting paid to talk to people, but I'm also getting paid to train because it's fire. So every night we do what we call the clean 50. We're like, you know... It doesn't matter what happens. I can't do any. Sometimes the stream will go three hours if I don't do 50 in a row on Puzzle Rush Survival. Now, 50. 50 okay, in a row. That's a lot. That's if a lot. it's wrong, I yeah. literally have to start over. Sometimes you get to 49 and then, oh, got to start over, chat. And they're like, yeah, we got to do it. But they see that that's discipline. And we do it every night on stream. But And it's always survival. Off stream, I don't do any survival because I tell them, like, I only do survival so I can talk to chat and vibe. Survival is fun. But survival is the same thing as regular puzzles in a way. So, you know, you can get a rating for that. But on stream, I'll do the clean 50s. And then I'll do now three-minute puzzle rush, which I'm trying to break 50. I'm at 49. Three-minute puzzle rush. So I'm trying to get that boy up. But I'm getting reps in. I'm training. I'm really getting some puzzles in. Then we'll play games all night. Blitz, bullet, you know, no rapid. But, you know, blitz and bullet all night. And we and we train every night. So it's very – I'm active. I'm always in it. And I'm, I'm training and getting paid while doing it. That's what you, you mostly started. And that's what gave you this huge success as well at the yep. beginning, the streaming. Right. In 2018, that's when everything started moving along. Yeah. Um, for a lot of people, actually. You know, 2018 was, was a big year in that regard. In, in terms of content creation, uh, the chess so, world is changing so yeah. fast, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, well, how do you envision the chess world? building up and i think the ceo of chess.com was just saying that yeah. there's a lot of big things coming up a yeah. new wave you, you got the queen's gambit you yeah. got um how do you see the chess world developing in the next couple chess, of years especially with production and people are getting in chess chess is getting bigger all there's celebrities in chess in fact you know uh wood harris the guy who was in uh who was doing the intro, you know, the road to nowhere, or the road to the longest, you know, he was doing the intro every day. He messaged me on Instagram, and I was like, whoa, what the heck, bro? I got an actor, and it's just cool that you see people that you've watched in movies are into chess, or like influencers that I never knew. Like, there's one guy, like, have, I don't know if you've ever seen him, um, but he's, I think his name is Uncle Dijon, but on, on Instagram, what he says is he has stuff like, if you ever want to survive, it's funny, it's jokes. I but think it, I, oh, yeah. If yeah. you ever want to survive, this is what you do. If you ever want to survive a fight with a bear, this is what you do. You go over and you tackle the bear, hit him in the headlock, and you're like, it's like, bro, you going to die. What are you talking yes, about? Like, yes, I know the but, yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? He, but he has, he's make all his content off of this, and he hit me up one day on Instagram. And was oh, like, you should Yo, definitely do some, some it's stuff. It's fire. Yeah. It's fire. But chess is growing so much, and you don't know who's watching, you know, so... 
that's why I keep posting because you never know who's going to be in your inbox. One day, you know, Drake might hit me up. Yo, I'm in Toronto. Come through. I'm like, oh, all right. What's the address, Drake? I'll be there. Like, you know, so you never know. Like, chess is so big. You got football players into it, like um, Chidobe from uh, Cincinnati. You also have uh, Aaron Armistead or Eric Armistead um, out there in the 49ers. Like, he is so big. Oh, Cowboys, right? Luca from basketball. Clay Thompson. Yeah, and Doncic too, right? You know, it's crazy how many players, Jalen uh, Green, I think, too, uh, Jalen Brown but uh, from the Celtics. But these guys are all chess players, which is crazy that the bigger chess gets, the more people are going to be reaching out, celebrities, and they're going to put more into chess and push it bigger than what it is. Yeah, yeah. chess has that, um, it has that, like, cadence that some people in, in the entertainment industry yeah. or in sports, they, they like. It's, like, strategic. thoughtful, yeah. strategic. Fun. But it also has a slightly cool side to it. Like it's it's kind of shed its you know totally like nerdy niche side. Yeah. Like, of, yeah. yeah. And that's my job too as well in a way. You I know, mean, people look at me when I'm at the gym and they're like, "Yo, what do you do, bro?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm a pro chess player," and uh-huh. I just wait for they them. They start laughing probably. Exactly. Like, or they like, you're, you're you're joking, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they also say, "Really?" They're like, "Whoa, there must be some heavy pieces, bro." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, five pounds pawn, you know." Like, <laughs> but it's funny because like. I break the stereotype immediately. I'm, I got tattoos. I'm tatted everywhere. I play, I'm like a cool, do a social, right? I lift weights. Like, you know, I, I, when they ask, I either get rapper or bodybuilder or like trainer when they ask what I'm doing or what do I do, but never chess, right? Which is cool. So I like to break that stereotype in a way so people can understand. Anybody can play chess and be at a good level, a great level, in fact. And you can make it fun at the same time. It doesn't have to be what you think, you know, chess. My sister was like, you know, chess, like playing chess is like watching grass grow. And I was like, yeah. I can understand that if, uh, you know, you're just extremely bored or like you see it from the chess side of nerdiness type thing. Right. But so I try to break that stereotype. I feel that perception is definitely changing around the world for sure, Um, especially with the time formats getting faster Faster. and faster. Yeah, Yeah. that's important because classical chess. Yes, it is difficult unless the stakes are hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars. Like, the world championship title, right? Yeah. That brings most numbers, obviously. But outside of that, you should keep things as fast as possible. I feel that's I feel that's quite that. important. Yeah, that's for the spectators. That's right. I think even the world championship people people watch because it's a world championship. But right. without Stakes that name, are people yeah. aren't going to watch a match between two six players. Six hours, seven hour game. Yeah. Six hours draw at the end. There's a cricket, I know, in India. I think he was talking about this when I was in Dubai. I was doing commentary. That was fire. I mean, commentary has brought me, streaming has brought me so far. I was in Dubai for the Saudi Zoldes. Did you watch any of that? It was during the World Championship, but it was like the same week. But at some point, Kramnik was sitting next to me. It was just like breakfast. Like, Kramnik sitting next to me. Next to him was um, Gelfan. Next to Gelfan was Aronian. And then next to Aronian was um, Hike Martirosian. Then Vincent Keimer. And then Yovanka. This was the Global Chess uh, yeah. League, right? Oh, oh yeah, Clark, yeah, Global Chess League. Yeah. No, that was, you're right. No, but actually. That was in Dubai, yeah? Wait, there's one. I did too many. Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. I did so many. But I feel, I, you, one of you them, were there. You were there. No, yeah, I yeah, was. I yeah, Global Wait. Chess League was different because Magnus was there too. Yeah, so no, no, that wasn't Global. But that one was good. Actually, Kazakhstan is what I meant to say. Yeah. Oh, last Kazakhstan. year. Last year, yeah. No, this year actually. It was early in the year, but Kazakhstan oh, during the World, world championship. championship. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, during the World, world Championship, the city yeah, yeah. Zodes no, was going on. No, not World Rapid, but the actual World oh, Championship. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, World, yeah exactly, exactly. It was it was very nice, but next to him or next to me, Havanka and then uh, Arjun Aragaisi, and they were playing and stuff like that. You did some commentary with Jovanka, right? Yeah, it was yeah. out there. It was really nice. The commentary was really cool, and then I was able to sit at the. I mean, only Fabi knows what that feels like. But sitting at the table, I was able to take a picture. And I was like, I got goosebumps sitting in there like, yo, this is like, I was able to sit at the table of Ding and um, and Jan. And I was like, I made a move on the board. But I was like, you know, you saw all the cameras and the, the people that could look in and like a, you know, a mirror type thing. But people behind it so they can watch you. It was another mirror. It's cameras everywhere. And I'm like, this is crazy. I was like, man, this is what they went through. Like, it, I was so inspired to sit there. You know what I mean? It was fire. For me, uh, every time I, you know, not every day, but uh, I very often think about the fact that I don't have to wake up to go to an office and go <laughs> oh, from yeah. a nine to five. Man, that's the best feeling. I can just wake up and do my stuff. Yeah. And I, I feel blessed having chess and having so many opportunities within the chess world. Same. Do you feel like that? Oh, do man. you think about those type of Every day. Because uh, I used to work at Kroger. I used to work at Starbucks. I did door-to-door sales. And I'm like, all of these things 
had his good times, but I always had to, or for me, I just always wanted to work for myself in a way, or like just do something that I want to do and get paid for it. Chess now has been able to pay all the bills, bro. Like it literally is not a job for me. It's not work. Okay, it is work certain times, like making a chessable course. I'm like, bro, I've been doing this all day. I don't want to see another Joe Bava. I don't want to see another Joe Bava. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see none of this. But, you know, I'll wake up the next morning like, all right, feels good. I can make my own schedule. I do what I want when I want. And that feels really, really good to do that. Really good. Nothing like it. Exactly. I've probably been doing a long time, you know. And I feel yeah. mentorship. Let's, let's go back uh, for just one second to yeah. that. Because I feel... The way you talk, you have ideas in mind that you at one point will be able to inspire. And I'm sure you already are inspiring a lot of youth. Are you thinking in terms of your community in Detroit, mm -hmm. where you grew up, to like bring something and, and help inspire? 100%. In fact, I actually do want to have my own academy, but I do want to level up first. That's why the only thing I'm working on is Grandmaster. I don't care about nothing else. As soon as I hit GM, then, okay, I'll look back to do this. Like, let's open up this center of like, you know, for plans of like, Having a center where I'm teaching aggressive chess, attacking chess, one-on-one, all the openings I like to play, courses that I'm coming out with, things like that, calculation training, all those type of things of like how I like to play chess and for aggressive players. And then, you know, obviously we'll have in-game sessions and bring in players. Definitely want to have that, you know, want to have that, but I got to hit this GM first. GM first. I have to hit it first. Priorities first. Priorities first, right? I don't do anything like else that does not help me get the GM title every day. James, uh, I think we covered so many stories, so many uh, ideas, and so much inspiration for everybody watching. So, thanks for joining. Thanks, thanks Thank for having you. me, guys. Appreciate it. It's awesome. Make sure y'all sub to the channel if y'all didn't. You just get in here. Subscribe right at the bottom. See y'all on the next one. C O E. Let's go.